But if it is true though, that's terrible, man. Not because Kante is a bad footballer, but I think I mentioned this when we signed Donny van der Beek. We have a thousand flipping central midfielders already. We don't need a thousand on one. So I don't understand but what's ha- going on. How many of them are good? <laughs> because the one I thought was very good, boy. Looking like pandemic P out here. So do you want to know why Uncle Tess is a snake? Because he relegated me from doing the introduction. Says, oh, he's going to do the introduction. Pulls out his phone and starts reading from his phone. So obviously that's something you guys won't be able to see. Listen, there, there, there's, there's going to be a camera soon. So there's going to be video footage of everything. Like, right now, you, do you want me to tell them that you're naked in the in delivery? <laughs> <laughs> like, my bro, my bro. Like, you just got on boxer shorts. Like, I feel very uncomfortable. This is an uncomfortable work environment. Welcome back to the Top Bins pod, the top talking points, the top analysis and the top goals from the Premier League. You know what that is? It's Top Bins. I'm your host, Uncle Tass, and I'm here with my co-host, Spaney. What's good? How are you this weekend, Spaney? I'm very good, thank you. I'm very good. This week, I've got nothing to add, nothing to say. I like Just, that. I'm good. How I are you like saying? That. How are you? You know what? I'm okay. Good stuff. Yeah, we'll, 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 keep, we'll keep it like that, we're man. We're just calm, we're just mellow. I think it's because we're recording quite late today. Yeah, obviously not down to my, not down to me. You make it sound like it's down to me. Hey, Premier League is scheduling late games. This is the thing, this is the problem. But hey, we're we, here. We move. We move. We're here to supply the content. So let's get into it. What are we telling them for this week? This week, we're going to go through transfers again. Go through the latest ruling regarding lockdown 2.0 and how that affects football jump into the Saturday games before we move on to the Sunday games Monday night preview predictions league fantasy football top pins goal of the week Spainy trivia listeners questions and then finally join the discussion so a bumper episode for you guys it's a lot of stuff so let's jump right into it so major transfers this week we saw Mendy get confirmed by Chelsea so I think last weekend before the game, Renz sort of confirmed it, but it wasn't until this weekend Chelsea confirmed it themselves. Goalkeeper signed from Renz for £22 million. I'll be honest with you, I haven't seen him play at all. But um, obviously Peter Cech's one of their directors now. He used to play for Renz, so there's a connection there. And yeah. obviously you must rate him. Um, he's a big lad and Kepa, as we all know, isn't it. So <laughs> it's just, I mean... They've got a lot of problems at the moment, Chelsea, in terms yeah. of defensively. So they do need a goalkeeper they can trust. So hopefully Mendy can do it for them. But who knows? Have you seen him play at all? I can't say I have. Um, but this is one, I don't even remember what I mentioned this transfer back when we were doing our season previews and we mentioned Chelsea. And I mentioned that I heard that Chelsea put a bid in for him. So it's good to see, obviously, a good few weeks later, but it's good to see that a deal's finally been done and... Frank Lampard can stop pretending that he's back in Kepa. <laughs> well, Kepa didn't play today. Well, he didn't, you're right. Or yesterday, rather. Yeah, yesterday. Um, so, yeah, exactly. So, now the uh, now the cat's out of the bag. We all know that, or well, we've all been knowing that Kepa's not it, but Frank Lampard's finally admitting Kepa's not it by not playing him yesterday, as you said. Um, haven't seen uh, Mendy play, but obviously seen his stats and stuff, and he looks obviously like a good keeper. Apparently, he was started to be one of the best, if not the best, in um, League on last season. Um his uh, save ratio apparently is fantastic I think I was looking at the expected kind of saves if you like and obviously they were doing a comparison between himself and Kepa and um, 
don't quote me on this because it was about two weeks ago that I saw this now or maybe a week ago a week and a half ago um, but I think it was something like Kepa was conceding in terms of expected goals against Kepa was conceding something like 15 more goals than he would have been expected to have conceded whereas um, Mendy was saving two more than he was expected to be saving um, which obviously from that alone it looks like they've got a good keeper on their hands so yeah I mean it would be Chelsea fans should obviously be excited about that obviously with all the new signings coming in obviously despite obviously we'll get onto the game but despite Thiago Silva having a bit of a a, a lapse of concentration the other day Howler yeah <laughs> um, obviously with all the new signings that come in they've now finally got a new keeper so let's hope for their sake that he can he can be what he's expected to be but yeah I mean all round for a keeper with the stats that he has and obviously I mean in general replacing Kepa's got to be a win so to do it with a keeper that's got the stats that, that Mendy has obviously yeah like I said Chelsea fans should be excited and the next major splash happened for Wolves they signed Nelson Semedo from Barcelona to be honest I, I really don't know what's going on at Barcelona <laughs> obviously this is a Premier League pod but they've let Suarez go for Perfect. free to their yeah. well five mil well yeah basically, ba- basically free. <laughs> for free to one of their closest rivals yeah. and now they've let go their starting right back two walls for I mean they got a, a tidy sum for him I think it was 38.6 mm. so nothing to sniff at but I'm not quite sure why they've let him go yeah I mean as you obviously said obviously they let Suarez go they let Rakitic go as well for peanuts as well um, obviously those two are slightly on the older side and so you'd think obviously Barcelona would be in a position of needing to rebuild yeah and obviously get rid of their wages as well but Samedo obviously a bit younger it's actually not a bad player. Obviously, we've just seen his debut for Wolves. Obviously, we'll come onto the game, but he had a good game, in my opinion. Um, as you said, it's a bit of a strange one. I don't quite know what's going on at Barcelona, but hey, we're a Premier League pod, as you said. But for Wolves, I think, good bit of business, to be honest. Um, obviously, losing Doherty was always going to be a problem, but to replace him with someone of Samedo's calibre from Barcelona, as we said, I think, yeah. I think they got a good signing in there. Yeah, add into the Portuguese content uh, or contingent <laughs> rather yeah. as well as long as as well as Nuno Espirito Santa signing a new deal. So it's a good bit of business for them, and it shows that they're here to stay. That they yeah. want to be consistent in the top seven yeah. and push to break into the traditional top six. So good bit of business all around. Indeed, I think was there, was there any, anything else that you saw in terms of transfers? Nothing. Of yeah, they're, really. they're the main ones I saw. Although I did literally within the last ten minutes. I did see that apparently. Hold on, hold on. Breaking news. Go. It's, it's not breaking. It's not quite breaking news. So, uh, for for as a United fan, it, it, I mean, it oh, could be considered I'm, breaking. I'm, I'm done. I'm done. Oh my <laughs> What's gosh. the problem? Go on, go on, continue. Um, apparently, hmm. we've uh, made contact with Mengolo um, Kante's um, representatives. <laughs> Which? Why are you rolling your eyes, bro? I'm listening. What fake news source were you looking at? Bro, I couldn't believe it when I saw it, to be honest. You say what fake news, I mean, I should have bro- I should have broke the news about um, Chelsea putting in a bid for Ren from, I was like, what, five weeks ago? Fake, listen. Listen, my sources are legit. Even a broken clock is right twice a day. <laughs> my sources are legit, I'm standing by it. Okay. But yeah, I couldn't believe it. So it's about the end of the transfer window, Kante to United is what you're saying? I didn't say that at all. Basically, that's what you heard. That's not what I heard. I heard that we spoke to his representatives. As we all know, with Man United, speaking to representatives, even agreeing flipping wages and agents' fees isn't enough because apparently we'd like to do things backwards. So you're clutching at straws because... 
I'm not clutching at straws at all. I'm just telling you what, I, what the, the, the reports I'm getting from my sources. So in a segment where we're talking about completed transfers, <laughs> you're talking about United <laughs> speaking to representatives. Thank you very much for your input, Darren. No problem, man. <laughs> but if it is true, though, that's terrible, man. Not because Kante is a bad footballer, but I think I mentioned this when we signed Donny van der Beek. We have a thousand flipping central midfielders already. We don't need a thousand or one. So I don't understand but what's going on. How many of them are good? <laughs> because the one I thought was very good, boy. Looking like pandemic P out here. <laughs> I can't lie. Credit to the person who made that joke pandemic on Twitter, but pandemic P is the funniest thing I've seen all week. I mean, it's not that funny. It's funny, but to claim it's the funniest thing you've seen all week is a bit. Have you seen what I've seen this week? I mean, apparently I don't want to. That's Actually, okay. To, to be fair, um, Vardy stealing Pep's <laughs> Richard Milley. That tweet was funny. <laughs> That tweet was funny, you're right. Moving on to lockdown 2.0. So obviously, we're a football pod, but sometimes football intersects with politics. And in the case of the UK, we've now gone into a trimmed down version or streamlined version of lockdown. Well, it's lockdown 2.0. Obviously, we've got a 10 10 p.m. curfew implemented. (laughs) And that seemingly has pushed back the start date of when the FA and the governing bodies are looking to bring back fans into stadiums. So this so this could potentially have implications for football for a long while. As I'm seeing rumours of end of March being the earliest at when fans come back into the stadiums. And obviously with teams struggling at the moment in terms of there's no money coming in from gate receipts, which a lot of money or month to month money comes in from. How do you see it affecting football teams long term? Like do you have any thoughts on it um i think from a premier league standpoint i think they're not going to be as heavily affected mm. by that as people think they will um i think when you go lower down the leagues and that becomes a serious problem because obviously a lot of the clubs lower down the leagues do heavily rely on um on uh gate sales yeah but in the premier league especially top half of the premier league if you like um these guys make so much money from other sources. Do you get what I mean? Okay, an extra two mil from a match day over the 19 times that they play at home is going to equal to a, a, a decent sum of money. But a lot of them can survive. Um, I think long-term though, it's going to be interesting. I think from a from a financial standpoint, obviously, you know me, I, I'm, I'm kind of a numbers guy, if you like. Um, an interesting... Um, kind of article that I read suggested that actually 11 of the 20 Premier League clubs could actually charge nothing for match day tickets um, and still survive and make profit and make decent profit if you like um, but yeah obviously we're talking long term and for fans not to come back in March that's the whole season pretty much yeah until March it's like and obviously from a from at the moment we're having to watch matches from TV etc etc it's just it's just dead, isn't it? Just watching it without without fans. It, it is, I, I guess, for from a neutral's point of view, if all the games then become televised up until March to help with some sort of rights and getting money in that way, mm. I won't complain because there'll be more football for me to watch. But at the same time, it does remove the home field advantage. Mm. That we've seen a lot more away teams win games, which yeah. plays into the bigger teams as well because obviously some of the big teams rely on that 
mm. hostile environment we saw today with City, and with City as well, yeah. where it's easier for an away team who are perceivably worse in quality to not have to deal with the hostile environment so they can play more freely and play mm. with more pizzazz and end up with on the right end of results in some cases. But I think as well, there's talk of the Premier League being asked to bail out the um, Football League. I think that could potentially be a bargaining chip for the Premier League to say, okay, you want us to bail out the Football League, but we need fans in the stadium. Yeah. And it, 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 it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But um, obviously it's a major talking point for the Premier League. So yeah. we have to touch on it. Yeah, I hope I hope we I hope we see fans back soon. And I hope, yeah, it, yeah I hope it happens soon, man. Definitely. So on to the games now. So there's only one place we can start. But before we start that, actually, let's talk VAR and handball. Oh my gosh. Because <laughs> I think, um, obviously, we're, we're going to get into it and it's going to be, I guess, interesting takes and different perspectives. But mm. on for the most part, we can agree that VAR, in theory, is the right thing to do. In terms, I feel like I've made my opinions clear. No, in, 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 <laughs> in terms of you want the right decision to be made, mm-hmm. the current application of VAR leaves a lot to be desired. But the major issue from this weekend is the current writing or interpretation of the handball rules mm. is a farce, mm. which is what a lot of the issues came from this weekend. Yeah, it wasn't necessarily VAR itself; it was the fact that they could go to VAR and then look at interpreting the farcical handball rule yeah. and it caused just so many issues. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Again, for those that may not know, may or may not know my opinion on VAR, I personally don't like it. But as you said, I mean, you do ultimately want to see the right decisions made in football. Yeah. My main issues with VAR circle around the length of time it takes and then as we as we are obviously alluding to now, even after they take so long to make a decision, and I guess, as you said, this is more of an interpretation of the handball laws. We still walk away with more questions than answers. Yeah. And VAR is posing a lot more questions than even we were questioning from before. Because yeah. before you can at least say it, the ref didn't see it. Fine. We move on. But now it's like, okay, the ref didn't see it. Actually, never, no, the ref did see it because he's gone to the monitor. Yeah. People in Stockley Park have looked at it a thousand times in real speed, slow motion and all this. But yeah, after the decisions are made, we're still here every week. And yeah, it's all to do with handball and the laws, but I think it's ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. And then the inconsistencies of it, obviously in last week's pod, I mentioned the whole um, Doherty, Gabrielle and, and Lindelof situations. Obviously penalties awarded against Lindelof and, and Doherty, Gabrielle, not so. Um, this week, we've seen it again. Joel Ward in the same game, twice, the ball struck his arm, two different decisions were made. Both times VAR looks at them. The first, again, the first one I don't think was a penalty anyway. The second one, um, I think, hmm? equally so. I don't think. Yeah, the second one I don't think was a penalty either. But the fact that he's given two different decisions on what's going on here, do you get what I mean? The one that killed me the most was the um, Kai Havertz one. Oh, I thought it was Eric Dyer one. No, 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 no. I don't even care about the Eric Dyer one. The one that killed me the most was the Kai Havertz one, only because obviously, um, um. It touches Let's, and last year it would have been... Yeah, last year it would have been a penalty. Um, uh, uh, free, free kick, kick sorry. Yeah. Do you get what I mean? And this year, I don't know what they're 
smoking because how are they saying, oh, um, it, basically I believe the law is something along the lines of there can't be too many passes after, but it hit his hands. I think it was Mason Mount basically shot straight away. The keeper parried, um, Sam Johnston parried it into Tammy Abraham's path and, and Abraham taps it in. There wasn't even a pass involved there. It was literally just hits the arm, shot, save, shot. I mean, it's a tough one. And to be fair, the fact that we probably disagreed with last year's rule as well, I'm not. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm not too angry at the Havertz one as much. Um, for me, the Dyer one was a bit, again, of a farce because it's. He's not even looking at the ball. He has no idea. He's he's been nudged from behind. Mm. It's and his arms in a natural position for what he's doing at the time it just so happens to have hit his hand. And it's mm. just like, you've got to use your common sense in that situation. Like that, that wasn't him deliberately denying Newcastle a goal scoring opportunity to deliberately trying to handle the ball. He, mm. he didn't even know. It's, it's honestly, it's, it's the law. Yes. And it's what we have to deal with, but it's taken a lot of the, the sting and a lot of the fun out of the game at the moment. And I think yeah. um, commentators have alluded to it. Um, general public are alluding to it. And Managers are zero Hodgson after the past yeah. game. Oh, Hodgson rightly so went off on one, and yeah. Mourinho elected to not go off on one because of you know history. He knows that <laughs> if I speak, I'd be in big, big trouble. Big, big trouble. <laughs> but um, yeah, honestly, enough about VAR for now. We'll jump into the individual <laughs> VAR issues. But first game, Brighton versus Man United. How did you think your team did? Again, despite the three points, terrible performance. Absolutely terrible performance. 100% agree with you. Um, Brighton, I almost said Palace, thinking about last week. Brighton played us well. Palace played us off the park as well, pretty much. But Brighton in particular played us off the park. I think they had 18 attempts on our goal, which is ridiculous. I'm sorry. We were very fortunate that they were just so wasteful. Do you get what I mean? I don't know how many times Aaron Wan-Bissaka got caught ball watching or whatever he was doing on the back post they play it down the right cross it over Aaron Wan-Bissaka's head and then you've either got Solly March there or whoever just on the back post just chilling waiting do you get what I mean um, I'm sure everybody heard this during the um, during the commentary but obviously Bryson flipping broke a record for the amount of times they hit the woodwork in a single game hit the woodwork five times Trossard could have had a hat trick Trossard hitting them like last week I said put him in your fancy teams could have got a hat trick and he let me down the funny thing is he actually is in my actually I think he's in my draft I don't think I've signed him in my actual but anyway um, yeah Trossard hitting the both posts both posts and the crossbar just toying with us obviously not deliberately but toying with us absolutely and I'm just like what it's ridiculous I think even from the start I think to myself I don't understand. If everybody's fit, why is he not playing? Because clearly Maguire and Lindelof are not it. Do you get what I mean? Clearly they are not it. Um, obviously, he brought Aaron Wambasaka back in. Obviously, last week, Fossi Mensa played, but I think Aaron Wambasaka is the right call. Um, and in midfield, we put um, we brought Matic back in for Scott McTominay. Again, I don't understand. A K is two, three matches in. But I don't understand why we signed Donny van der Beek then if we're, not, if we're just going to bring him on as a second half substitute going forward I'm not saying this is what's to come but I mean in the past or in previous history or in recent history if you like transfers come in and they go straight into the team 
Do you get what I mean? It's not but so. That, does he add balance to your team? Could you start with a Fernandez, Donny Van der Beek, and Pogba? Well, from my understanding, Van der Beek can play anywhere in that midfield, so I don't see why you can't play Pogba and Van der Beek there. Do you get what I mean? I'm, 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 I, I don't see it personally. I don't see that working. Mm. I'd see it more as a you're sacrificing a, um, a, a Fernandez further up, playing a Matic behind a two of a Van der Beek and Pogba, mm. but then. You can't really f- sacrifice Fernandez at the moment, yeah. so it's <laughs> nah. it's 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 a difficult one. I think um, yeah. it's more a case of at the moment for me. Do you want to start Pogba? Or do you want to start Van der Beek? Personally, I mean, Pogba has had two terrible games. Palace, he was shocking, and and yesterday he was shocking. But I think, I mean, obviously, I don't see what goes on in the dress in the changing not um, training. So I don't see what goes on in the in obviously training on a day-to-day basis. But for me, you know, I like Pogba as a player. Do you get what I mean? I know he he brings that that panache, that spark, that that, that pandemic to, <laughs> 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 He he brings the ability to unlock a game. Do you get what I mean? I'm not saying Van der Beek does, but obviously I'm I'm probably a little bit more biased because obviously I've seen Pogba play week in, week out for the last okay, maybe not last season, because he obviously was injured for a lot of it. But do you get what I mean? Over the last few seasons I've I've been watching Pogba um, and obviously we saw in in bits in the game yesterday that when our key players want to turn it on they can yeah. do you get what I mean and we saw with a couple of disallowed goals um, that when they do want to actually do something play fast play inside do you get what I mean it looks that, good that they can Yeah. and so we we do need our best players on the pitch regardless of okay if you're in the game now and you're saying okay Pogba's had a bad game then cool, take him off after 60 minutes. Do you get what I mean? Um, so yeah, I think that's just a roundabout way of saying it. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably still stick with Pogba, obviously not being privy to what goes on in training, but I'd probably still stick with Pogba, yeah. So I think, I mean, it's clear from your thoughts now and my thoughts in the game, Brighton had the better play and they were desperately unlucky not to get anything out of the game. Mm-hmm. Obviously the game ended 3-2, but what, what really stood out for me so obviously we've got the handball that it was um neil mope mm. handballed it was the last one yeah mm. so it, it was a clear handball that's not the issue i think um <laughs> my issue with the whole decision was the referee had blown for full time you set a dangerous precedent by saying the final whistle is no longer the final whistle <laughs> Because that 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 in in game you could say okay a VAR decision happens mm. you never know until it's final but if the final whistle's gone the adrenaline rushes out of your body because it's the end of the game to then have to turn it on again and say you know no the game's not over we're bringing it back I think it sets a very dangerous precedent of football and it should be a case of it's it desperately unlucky for Man United they missed out on the chance to win the game but simply because the final whistle had gone that's it. And that, to be honest, I don't think any team would argue with that. That it'd just be a case of we're unlucky. I think the fact that they brought it back, it opens the door for so many new questions. Like where does it lie and when does it stop? Because if there's a penalty decision in the second half that they get to review right at the end and say, you know what, come back on the pitch for five more minutes, take the penalty that you should have had. Like honestly, like it, it, that 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 that's my only issue. I don't. No one has any issues with the penalty award. Fair penalty, especially with the current rules. But 
it papers over the cracks for, for Man United. Thanks. And so, I mean, Fernandez pretty much played terribly like, um, the whole game. Pops up with a, what, 100th minute penalty winner? It, it, it's, it's just beggar's belief. And the way he celebrated as well, it's just... It, you love to see it when it's your team, but it just rubs <laughs> you the wrong way when it's not your team. And yeah, I mean, what did you think uh, as a United fan of the decision, first of all? Um, very, very, very interesting. Because obviously up until that point, absolutely nobody in world football, I'd imagine, knew that that was possible. Mm. Do you get what I mean? I think the only reason I disagree with what you're saying is because the fact that it happened and stood, the penalty was taken, United won the game 3-2, suggests that it's in, it's in somewhere in the laws of the game. Do you get what I mean? That you can do that. If after 90 minutes of play's gone, um, obviously a penalty incident happens in the dying seconds, whatever, and the referee doesn't see it, VAR brings it back, then you can restart the game and, and do it, right? And, t- and take the penalty. So I can't deny, obviously, if I saw that, if I saw that, <laughs> let's say it was you boys, for example, and I saw that and that's how you won the game. I'll be like, what the hell is this VAR thing? Don't get me wrong. So obviously I'm probably sitting in from a place of air quotes privilege because obviously it benefited us. But at the end of the day, it must be in the laws of the game. Do you but, get what I mean? But my, my, my issue is as well, if that was outside of the box and it was a free kick in a dangerous area, mm. does the game restart? I think more so with penalties is obviously because penalties, I guess penalties really are, are for... I guess impeding what would be a, a kind of goal scoring opportunity, right? Which is why you're then allowed to take this. Uh, the but only, only within. Yeah. 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 So I guess the argument there is, I'm not necessarily saying that because obviously that header from Maguire was, I don't necessarily think I was going anywhere. And I think I'm getting cleared off the line anyway. Yeah. 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 Um, so I'm not necessarily saying that was leading to a goal scoring opportunity. But the point I'm making is outside the box. I mean, if you get fouled outside the box, you, you can't argue and say, oh, it was a clear goal scoring opportunity type of thing. Unless obviously you're talking one-on-one with the keeper or whatever the case may be. Um, so to bring it back for something like that, I would think would be a bit of a joke. If you're bringing it back for a penalty, I understand because penalty is just a one-time thing. You take the spot, it's done. Do you get what I mean? Whereas if you if you were to bring it back for a free kick, at what point do you then stop the game after that? Okay, maybe you can play on for however much longer was was on the watch for stoppage time. But I think it, 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 where you were saying a lot of questions are, are raised because of this, a lot more questions would be raised if you bring it back for something like a free kick and you're like, oh, you, you take the free kick, it then gets played out here, crosses in, they play around the edge of the box. For, like, what, do you get what I mean? Like, where do you draw the line at that point? Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I see what you mean. I think more than anything, like you say, maybe it's within the laws of the game. We're just never, never aware of it because it never happened. Mm. But as long as there's consistency going forward, then nobody can complain. But it, it, it to me, it's just very smelly because <laughs> once the full-time whistle goes, that should be the end of the game, regardless of what happened before that. If the referee obviously didn't see anything and felt, because technically speaking, you tend to not see the referee's blow the whistle when the ball's in and around the opponent's half or whatever. So mm. maybe he blew the whistle too soon. So it, that that again is on the referee. So mm. the referee should come out and say, maybe I blew it too soon. It, it wasn't, it was still in a dangerous area mm. sort of thing. Because then you can't really complain because 
then there would have been time for VAR to get in his ear and say, actually, hold on, there is a penalty. So without him blowing the full-time whistle, none of this happened. So mm. that, it, 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 it yeah, I, I don't really want to spend the whole day <laughs> just talking about VAR. But yeah, I think, um, yeah, but let's, let's, let's not take away from the fact that I, I have to admit, obviously, despite being a United fan, I have to admit that Brighton did absolutely play us off the park, um, had a number of chances, played good football. Tariq Lamptey, I think, looks great again. Obviously, as we've mentioned, Trossard looks good. Um, looked very good as, again as well. Um, Connolly, I don't like him after that game. He, he, he's making a last ditch attempt to make it to Tokyo 2020 because that diving that he was getting, that was going on. That, there, was, no, he, he was getting his body into good position <laughs> no. and going down too easy, but they weren't dives. He was ahead of the player in all all times, but he was, just, he was going down too easy. He was looking for it. Yeah. No, I'm not. No, I don't like him. He's but a pagan it, for that. It's the same way um, Leicester got their penalties today. Mm. There you go. It, it, it's just because it's against your team, you're a bit more unobjective. Yeah, he's a pagan there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, well done. I mean, yeah, sorry. So um, just not trying to take away from Brighton. They, they they did deserve the three points. I'm not gonna lie, but I think who was it at the end of the game that said you don't you don't win games by hitting the hitting the woodwork or whatever it was. Oh, okay. was it uh, Bruno? Fernandez? Yeah, I think it was yeah. Bruno. Yeah, he's, he's right. You don't. So hey, what can you say? But yeah, there's a lot that we need to work on, and I think Oli, I'm starting to question him, man. Only now, wow. <laughs> <laughs> you just been sitting on the bus that he's driving willingly <laughs> up until this point. Yeah, That's amazing. That yeah, I mean, boy. Only at the wheel, eh? I mean, don't know about that one. I've got a couple of interesting facts for you on that game. The first one being, because obviously, there was it their first goal? That was the penalty. Um, I can't even remember now. But obviously, it's called a penalty against us. So that, David De Gea hasn't actually saved any of his last 19 penalties that he's faced. And he's only saved two out of the 29 that he's faced in the Premier League, which is... When I heard that, I was like, this is a terrible, terrible stat. But hey, supposed to be one of the best keepers in the world. Obviously, you probably argue differently, but I still have faith in him. Um, yeah, no, the haters done out here still. But I mean, <laughs> you, you, you can't judge keepers by their ability to save penalties. No, I mean, agreed. So, But there are keepers who have better shot-stopping abilities from the penalty spot than others, yeah. it appears. Yeah. Um, and then another interesting fact, again, from United's standpoint, is this is actually the first time on the Ali Gunnar Solskjaer that we've come from behind to win a game of football in the Premier League. No, that's a terrible fact. <laughs> that is terrible. So score first and don't worry. <laughs> yeah, cool. So yeah, and obviously that one was, uh, even the win in this game was uh, fortunate, if you like. But hey, yeah, it's a two and two and Fortunate two. to say the least. Yeah, but hey. So on to the next game, which was Crystal Palace Everton. So I don't know about you, but I thought I thought it was actually not a bad game of football. Um, it wasn't there wasn't as much quality from Everton. I thought in this game as their previous two games, mm. but worryingly enough, they're still finding ways to sort of grind out results. They showed a bit of quality early on through the opening goal from Dominic Calvert-Lewin because uh, a great bit of interplay. Um, Rodriguez involved again, playing the ball out to Seamus Coleman. 
who cut it back for Dominic Calvert-Lewin, who started away to score, I think it's his fifth goal fifth in three goal, games. Yeah. So he, he, he's on the money, he's a shooter. But from there, sort of Palace found their way back into the game. They obviously, they're more of a defensively sound, work on set pieces, find a goal by any means possible whether it's on the break or through a set piece and they got mm. a goal through Che Cote mm. from a set piece good header at the back post and at 1-1 it kind of seemed like Everton might turn up a little bit but it didn't really happen that way like I, I never felt like they were totally dominant totally controlling the game totally gonna get a goal but again through our best friend VAR and penalty <laughs> they managed to get a second goal and I mean, we, 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 you mentioned it briefly that um, there were two incidents. The one which the ball hit Joel Ward's hand, it was deemed that his body, his hand was in a natural position just mm. behind his back, which to me, out of the two of them, that's probably more penalty than the first one. And the only reason I say that is because if your ball's behind your back, it's not even though it's in line with the body, it's not a natural position. It's almost saying, okay, because it's straight down, I can almost hit it and protect protect the goal without giving away a penalty. Mm. Whereas the other one, even though his hand was slightly out, was sort of across his body, that's a more natural position to block the shot. Yeah. So it... I think I, I, I hear what you're saying. Also, it's an interesting one because what you see these days um, is a lot of players, especially defenders, say they're facing an attacker up. They will put their arms behind their backs to try and prevent obviously across waywardly hitting their arm, right? Yeah. Which is what you saw in the first one where Joe Ward has tried to obviously put his arm behind his back to prevent that. But in the same motion, because the ball's going in, he's tried to get his chest across. Then that's tried- pulled his arm. Exactly. Yeah. Do you yeah. get what I mean? So I would suggest it would have been harsh to give that, although I hear what you're saying in terms of it's more of a penalty. Because as you said, with the second one, he's actually, the ball he knows is about to go past him. He's in the process of turning around and as he's turning around, his arm is raised slightly, but it's in a natural position, right? Um, it's just out of the line of the body. Exactly, exactly. Um, but both of them came from so so close, because obviously yeah. the first one, I think Richarlison just hit it, um, hit the ball to his arm. Second one was Luca Dean, I think, heading it down. Yeah. But they were both from so close to him. Do yeah. you get know what I mean? I mean, I, and let's, let, me, let me be clear, I don't think either were a penalty mm. or should be given as a penalty. I just thought, to me, the first one looked more like a penalty than the second one, mm. but... They obviously got the second decision and Richardson stepped up and put the ball away top corner. Again, this season referees, um, sorry, not referees, goalkeepers are being forced to stay on their line. Mm. So we start to notice goalkeepers haven't taken a step back off the line yeah. so that if they do make that little jump forward, they're still part of their lines on the foot, which is fine. But what I then don't like is that you're giving the attacking advantage that you saw Richardson's run up was very stuttered and mm. it's like, you have to give the goalkeeper something. Like it, you can't have that, 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 I guess the rule is it needs to be one sort of motion, but his looked very, very staggered. And <laughs> eventually he smashed into the top bins. Yeah. But I mean, it, it, I, I know um, governing bodies try and make the game interesting, try and make attacking play the forefront and mean them, make them be more goals. But come on, man! You're telling the goalkeeper stay on the line, but then allowing someone to have a start, start up. So, yeah. 
when he's meant to know that the attack is going to strike the ball, like you want them to wait until the ball's been hit yeah. to then try to pull off a magical save. Like <laughs> that's never going to happen. That's probably, yeah. I mean, it's probably not why De Gea's never saved the penalty or <laughs> saved a few penalties, but it, it doesn't help. It doesn't help. Yeah. No, you're right. Um, but overall, I think um, Everton, over, I think, deserved the win though. Um, they were the more clinical, I think, your boy had a great game again, to be honest. He's just he's just an economical player. Yeah. I think that's the best way I can describe him. He's just an economical player that just just does his job and he does it well. Do you get what I mean? And my guy, Rodriguez, again, I think he ended up getting man of the match. Um, but Rodriguez had a great game again as well, just pulling the strings there. Um, but Palace's new boy looked all right, Eze. I thought he looked yes. all right. He had a good game. Yes, yes, yes. Excited to see more of him, to be honest. And mm. I think he's, he's still sort of because he was the main man at QPR, he's still sort of finding his feet and saying, okay, I know I'm not the main man here. Mm. Let me keep it simple. Let me not be elaborate. But he is a very much a flair player and mm. there's more to come from him. I think there was one opportunity he had in the first half, I believe it was, where he got the ball cut in from the left-hand side and instead of taking a shot on like you might have done at QPR, yeah. he tried to slip someone in and said, yeah. like, go on, son, just take it on. Like, this is your chance to yeah. prove you belong. Don't be don't be too safe. You have to express yourself and yeah. show the world what got you to move rather than just being, oh, you know, yeah, being too nicey-nicey. And yeah. Um, and he was taking their corners, free kicks as well. So they seem to trust him in that department as well. Definitely. Um, so yeah, no, I think, I think Palace, yeah, just do what they do. Just they didn't, go in their favour this, this week um, and yeah Everton I think had yeah as I said had another good game so they, they've definitely been looking like a team that could be obviously three games in isn't something that you can um, you can base the season on because I think there was a stat from last season that if you judged the season on the first three games like the biggest underdogs would have won the league basically so three games in is probably not anything to be going crazy about obviously we'll see what really happens when it's crunch time December comes and okay there's a lot of games now but when there are a lot of games in December we'll really see what these teams are about but Everton are looking very good at the start of the season and Hammers Rodriguez is, and Alan and Decore are looking like three good of the best signings yeah. looking like three of the three of the best signings this summer so next game we had West Brom versus Chelsea now there's no Kepa to blame this week <laughs> <laughs> but it was definitely a tale of two halves let's say mm. so I mean I don't know about you but Chelsea just look lost a lot, a lot of the time like mm. it I, I mean we all knew that yes they've made some great signings or great signings on paper and you expect a lot of good things from them. You always knew it might take a little bit of time for them to settle. But regardless of the amount of time it takes them to settle, the first three goals they gave away were calamitous. Yeah. Like, what was it? The, the, the first one was Alonso header that just straight into Robinson's path. And I mean, excellent finish from Callum Robinson for both his goals. But second one, Thiago Silva <laughs> I, 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 I was a bit baffled as to why he got the captaincy like I yeah mean, the captaincy was a weird one it, it, it I mean he, he is a very very experienced defender 
he's won a lot, but can he even speak English? I was literally about to ask you the same question. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, I'm not being funny. No, like, no, no. I mean, that's it, a legit question, yeah. It, like, uh, but then again, it's a very um, foreign team mm. in terms of they've got a lot of nationality. So maybe it doesn't hurt him that much not being able to speak English. He probably can yeah. communicate with, in French, with a lot of the players in the team or, I don't know, in Italian because he played in Italy as well. But yeah. still, it, it's a bit like, it's a bit odd for him to come in be given the captaincy straight away and then for him to make such a calamitous error <laughs> and Callum Robinson took the ball away from him and mm. fi- excellent finish to be honest because it wasn't a given that he'd score from that position yeah. but he did well Yeah, and the third one just Reese James absolute howler corner comes in second ball basic defending yeah. once the ball goes out you move up Yeah, he was just there lollygagging and it <laughs> It kept Carl Bartley on side, who yeah. sent it back. <laughs> Former Arsenal man, by the way, he finished excellently. Yeah, like, that was, was a, a striker's finish. Yeah, that reminds me of, um, I don't even remember, there was a Lewandowski finish from last season, I think in the Champions League, that was very similar to that. So as soon as I saw that, I was like, right, Lewandowski <laughs> at Pippin. Lewandowski in disguise. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, the defending on that corner was just, yeah, atrocious. You see, Furlong, I think he got the flick on in acres of space. And then as yeah. you said, Bartley on the back post just acres of space and just cuts it across but yeah I think first half West Brom looked alright yeah looked and right. I think um, as we discussed previously they're, 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 they're very close I think where all the games you've seen them this season they've showed spark they've showed mm. fight it's just falling falling to pieces yeah. and it was just a case of we were, spe- we were saying we needed they needed goals in the system if Callum Robinson keeps putting them away then he could be the man to get them the goals because let's hope they play Chelsea every, every week <laughs> <laughs> but Dean Garner looks good he's looked good in the first yeah. couple of games looked okay yesterday um, Matias Pereira has looked good in the first few games as well I don't know if you clocked it, but did you clock Pereira? Um, there was one bit where Sam Johnson pinged the ball to him on a byline and he just did this sick cushioned shoulder pass to, um, it might've been Robinson. And then there was the other one where he did the back heel. The back heel touch. Yeah. yeah he, oh my god, Class, class, class. Yeah. But um, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm kind of, I mean, at the moment, based on form, they're still going down, but... <laughs> I'm kind of a bit more enthused about them. I think mm. um, they, they've shown a bit more and I, I hope they get it right because they're trying to play football the right way and yeah. they, they're, they're exciting to, to watch anyway. But um, if, do you want to take us through the Chelsea goals in the second half? So yeah, um, Chelsea obviously came out second half and they, they I think Frank Lampard got onto them mm-hmm. at half time. He must have got onto them at half time. I think he made a couple of changes, brought on um, Callum Hudson-Odoi, took off Kovacic and brought off Alonso and put on Cesar Spilicueta obviously the, the club captain and took the armband off took the armband yeah. off Thiago Silva um, which I think were probably the right moves to make um, given obviously the types of players they are especially Alonso who had a terrible first half I think those changes were needed um, but the first goal um, Chelsea patiently building up this is about 10 minutes into the second half now I think you can see that Chelsea were, were, were knocking and asking questions um, I think they're patiently working the ball, playing it, waiting for the uh, for the opening. Um, finds its way to Mason Mount on the edge of the box, who who just bangs in a brilliant, brilliant, yeah, He's got that sort of technique where it kind of looks like he's gonna curl it around, but then he sort of just cuts across it to shoot 
sort of straight mm. in that sense because it, it was like a straight shot. Yeah, <laughs> and it, it 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 did kind of curve out to in as well. I don't know if you clocked it. It curved outside of the post and then slightly back in, mm. and then that's how it kind of beat Sam Johnson, who just literally stood there and watched it go in. To be honest, um, I think one thing I noticed in particular was in the second half anyway, was in the first half, a lot of what Chelsea were doing was working through Reese James on the right. Reese James, I don't know how many balls he put in that were, I think Tammy Abraham, he found on the back post at one point, left foot skied it. Werner hit the crossbar, obviously. These are all from Reese James. But the second half, they weren't seems they didn't seem to be relying as much on him. Um, obviously, as I said, with the, with the first goal from Mason Mount and the second goal was a brilliant brilliant goal from um, Callum Hansen the day scored only his second Premier League goal for Chelsea which I found interesting um, but that one yeah brilliant move I think him Werner and Havertz were little intricate play just on the outside of the box plays it into um, Havertz who continues his run into the box Havertz lays it off first time and he opens up his body bottom Sorry, right beat Sam yeah. Johnston so yeah some great play at this point from Chelsea and I think that was about 70 minutes in so 20 minutes to go they're still asking questions um, at this point, um, I found it interesting that Slavon Bilic, I know, um, well, I find it interesting that at this point, uh, the changes Slavon Bilic was making seemed to lack game management. I think he was taking off attackers to bring on attackers. It's like you were 3 0 up. It's now 3 2 with 20 minutes to go, like potentially just try and shut up shop here and, and see the game out. Do you get what I mean? Especially a team like West Brom, who are probably not going to be despite what we're saying, obviously they've played well first two games, but obviously both of those results didn't go their way. I think given that they're probably not going to be in this, a similar position to this much this season in terms of three, well, three nil, let alone three, two up against a top six side or, or, or a big team in, in the Premier League, shut up shop and just get the three points. Do you get what I mean? Didn't do it. Brought on Matty Phillips, for example, um, and it, 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 Chelsea continued to ask questions. Do you get what I mean? They continued and they continued and they continued. And then, yeah, obviously, was it the 93rd minute? They finally got their goal. Obviously, we, we well. I touched I'll, on the handball incident. Yeah, 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 touched on the handball incident. But um, uh, Sam Johnson, I guess from a keeper's perspective, one thing you always hear is knock it out of, if you're going to parry it, parry it away from the danger. Unfortunately, he parries it straight into the path of um, Tammy of Tammy Abraham, who just taps it in first time. When it was yeah. safe, as if it was like some spectacular finish, but no, taps yeah. it in. It was it was from good, two yards out. Good, good move from him. Shag his mm. instincts to follow the ball in, and he got his rewards first goal of the season. But yeah, I think like you said, Chelsea kept knocking and knocking, and maybe Bilic could have brought on a defender, shut up shop. But at the same time, you kind of want to not invite too much pressure on as well. It, 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 it's, a, it's a very fine balance, but he got it wrong. But at the end of the day, when he looked at the opening fixtures, opening three fixtures, Chelsea's probably one of the games he didn't expect anything out of. Yeah. So from that point of view, getting a point there probably sets them back onto the right track in terms of maybe they, they wanted four out of the first nine but now they've got one out of the first nine and we can build from here and say we're off the board now mm. so it's not the end of the world mm. and they can take solace in the fact that they were three it up against a good team like Chelsea so that bodes well for the future yeah cool so next we've got Burnley Southampton um 
interestingly enough, Southampton hadn't won a top flight game against Burnley since 1971. So they were obviously able to uh, to get rid of that slight omen of theirs. Um, what are your thoughts on it? I think it was, again, Southampton away from home. Like they just <laughs> somehow managed to do the job. Um, it was a good away win. I mean, they got an early goal. Like it, it, I wouldn't say it sort of came from nothing, but um, it was a great, great run in behind from Che Adams. Great fan from Carl Walker's Peters. Mm. And Che Adams and Ings are developing a really good partnership. Yeah. Adams knew where Ings was going to be. Ings, my boy, shooter. <laughs> Got his toe to it, put it in the back of the net. 1-0. And from there, they defended really well. Like, I, I, I mean, especially from last week where Burnley struggled and I said, what they do well is defend. And without the time to defend well, they struggled in the first opening games. I think that that trend continued because mm. they got hit with the early goal that then affected their whole game plan of being tight and compact and trying to nick a goal at the other end. And they sort of huffed and puffed, but didn't really make many inroads. They had a couple of chances. I mean, Chris Wood, bully up front, um, had a slight penalty shout. Yeah, similar to, what you, what similar to the Connolly one where he got his body in front of the defender size of him it's not enough for him to go down yeah. so yeah rightly so wasn't given but he had a header in the second half as well but they they didn't really make any clear cut chances or anything incisive and that's not what you expect of Burnley at the same mm. time you expect them to either maybe hit you on the counter or get a set piece goal and to be honest Southampton dealt with them well do you think Burnley can be forgiven because obviously they had what, like eight nine first team players out so do you think that they can be forgiven for that or do you think? To an extent, yeah. I think um, there's a bit of trying to send a message from Sean Dash mm. in terms of, um, he's, I think he's come out in the press recently saying he understands the limitations of the club that they need to sell to buy. But there's rumours that um, West Ham want to buy James Tarkovsky. Mm. Obviously that's an asset they can sell they can maybe fleece West Ham because West Ham love to spend money, <laughs> but they can then reinvest that in the squad mm. and get some players who are defensively solid, who can work in Sean Dyche's system and be the line, get another solid mid-table finish and go again next season. Like, I mean, mm. a player like Tarkovsky isn't necessarily, although he's a very, very key player to their system, he's not going to be the difference between them being relegated or not relegated mm. they can find another guy for less money than what they sell him for and yeah. do the same job yeah. it's all about them being well drilled on the training ground yeah. and taking that into the game Sean Dyche is an excellent manager in that sense so he can train someone up to get to that level so yeah it, it, it's an interesting one in terms of um, where they go to next but I, I do think they'll, they'll struggle at early doors but once October, mid-October hits, I expect them to begin to find form again and begin to be a bit more defensively solid as we expect of them. Fair. Yeah, I mean, as we know, my opinion on uh, Burnley, I just, I just, I don't, I genuinely don't actually have much other time to that. that. Yeah, that was a, that was a very comprehensive roundup of the, of the, of the game. So thank you very much for that. Uncle Tass, we really appreciate that. Right, so the next game we have was the 
first of the Sunday fixtures. Sheffield United versus Mr. Bielsa's Leeds United, who have looked pretty solid in the opening two fixtures of the season, despite obviously conceding a lot of goals. Finally, you get to see they got kept a clean sheet. What are your thoughts? Yeah, so, I mean, it was looking for a while that it might be nil-nil, but it was actually a really enjoyable end-to-end game. Like, there were chances on both sides. I think on the balance of play, a draw could have been a fair result. Um, Sheffield United had chances, Leeds had chances. They they weren't necessarily either defensively perfect. And I said it was defensively perfect, but... Um, it made for an enjoyable game of football. But um, Bielsa made a change at halftime, bringing on Rodrigo. And that really helped Leeds a bit more in the second half. They're a bit more incisive and they kept going. It was the main the main story of the day. They kept mm. going. They eventually found a breakthrough through Patrick Bamford. He got, um, I think it was Jack Harrison who played in the ball to Bamford, got a header and scored his third goal in three games. And I think there was a lot of talk um, about can he get the goals in mm. the Premier League? But Bielsa has come out in almost defence of him saying that he does a lot more for the team. Like mm. even when, if he's not scoring, his movement off the ball, his pressing, it's all important to how I want to play. And Bamford's rewarding that faith at the moment. Like mm. three and three, two wins in three games for them. Like the only team they've lost to are the champions or the champions from last year. So yeah. it, it's looking rosy at the moment. Um, and it, it's always interesting for me. Rodrigo got brought on at half time. Um, obviously, once they got the goal, games, game management, like as you say, mm. they subbed off Rodrigo in, in towards their um, injury time mm. to bring on a more defensive cover. So, Again, maybe Slavin Bilic can learn a little bit from Bielsa, <laughs> but at that point, the game was effectively tied up. They mm. they, they had the, they got their goal, so it was time to set up shop, and yeah. they 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 held it together. Um, and apologies to the fans. I said to put in Costa last week. He did okay, but I guess um, after seeing some of the poor defending from Sheffield United against Wolves, I was expecting. Um, free scoring leads yeah, to, free, free <laughs> to, to, to have their way yeah. but Costa was a little bit quiet but keep the faith keep in your teams and he, he'll provide the rest of the season definitely I'm going to hold you to that but yeah no that's um, I mean it's good to see that Leeds can keep a clean sheet at least and it isn't just going to be you know at the end of the season 110 goals scored and 109 conceded no, and, 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 and yeah they're, they're there probably will be a few more goals to see along the way, but <laughs> no, they, they've got one clean sheet over the line. Yeah. They? So on to the next game. We had, I prefer not to speak, Spurs <laughs> versus Steve Bruce's Newcastle. So, I mean, <sighs> VAR, which we'll get onto <laughs> at some point, but what did you think of the actual game and how it went? I think overall Spurs were probably unlucky. Um, I think they obviously had the best of the chances. Son hit the woodwork. I think he was trying to challenge um, Trossard. Trossard. <laughs> I think he was trying to challenge, challenge Trossard, but depending on how you look at this, I think uh, Trossard just won this in terms yeah. of <laughs> in terms of he hit the woodwork uh, three times as opposed to I think Son hit it twice. Um but I think overall, um, yeah, Spurs will feel hard done by, especially from 
given their performance in the game, I think they were the stronger team, um, created a number of chances that arguably, if we're talking about Southampton, these these chances would have been, well, particularly Southampton in the second half, these chances would have been buried. Um, and yeah, obviously the, the, the VAR decision at the end that, that, that killed them, Marina didn't even want to bother. He just he just walked away. He's just like I'm I'm done with this. Um, but overall, something to build on for Spurs anyway. Um, I wouldn't wouldn't be too worried if I was a Spurs fan. But I, I I disagree slightly in terms of. I think we can both agree Newcastle are pants. That they they are pony. They pulled wool over our eyes for the first game at West Ham. <laughs> But since then, they've just looked absolutely crap. Yeah. Like, yeah. They, 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 there's no hiding. And you saw, um, um, what's his name? The owner's name? Mike Ashley. Mike Ashley celebrating <laughs> the, the draw <laughs> at the end. And it, it's just like, no, the, the team were terrible. Yeah. Spurs had the better of play and just weren't clinical. And they paid the price here, but I don't think they should be praised for beating up on a poor Newcastle side mm. like that game could have easily ended 4-0 and they've been like yeah okay but it's just Newcastle sort of thing mm. so the fact that they it was only 1-0 for so long they were inviting them the pressure onto them and I think I even mm. mentioned while we were watching the game I was like this game's going to end 1-1 like, yeah, you can say that. I didn't want it to end 1-1 having mm. both Davis and Doherty in my fantasy team <laughs> I, was, I was expecting <laughs> clean sheets but obviously the VAR decision which we touched on which I don't again it's harsh mm. but it was given whatever and Callum Wilson, he pretty much didn't have a sniff the whole game. Yeah. Last minute of the game, pressure on. And that's what they signed him for. They paid the big bucks for him and mm. that's what he's there for. He dispatched the penalty. It was yeah. an excellent penalty. And they literally stole a, stole a point in the capital. <laughs> they stole a point in the capital and they're probably on their way back to Tyneside now, laughing it up. Absolutely laughing Mike it up. Like actually grinning from ear to ear. But no, that honestly, Newcastle. I, 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 yeah, no, I, 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 don't, I, I don't know. I don't know at the moment. I, I really don't know. It's so weird because against West Ham, they were creating chances. Jamal Lewis looked good down the left. We thought Callum Wilson, yeah, great. I expected big things with Ryan Fraser. I don't think we've seen much of him so far. Like I don't. Yeah, you're right. But I, 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 I I'm, sure, I don't want to. There's many different ways to play football, but mm. I think he change from a four I think they played a four at the back against West Ham if I remember rightly and they've gone to a three at the back to be more defensively solid but at the same time is that the right thing to do like I'd much rather you go for it play two up top like play Carol and Wilson or play Joe Linton and, and Wilson let allow them to play off each other mm. and go for games rather than set up to not lose games and steal a point at the end. Like, mm. you, I mean, you can survive with 38 points, but I mean, you want to enjoy the football as well. Like New, Newcastle are a big club and the fans deserve to watch good football. Not, yeah. Not the, the, the stuff that they're pointing at the moment. Like <laughs> as much as um, Newcastle fans are probably happy with the point today, they're, 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 they're probably thinking, yeah, this isn't it. Yeah. This is what I came to see. Yeah. Especially, I mean, like we were saying, especially after the first game you, there would have been a lot of encouragement there but after that I think what 3-0 to West Brom yeah. or to who was it? No Brighton Brighton sorry yeah um, 3-0 to Brighton and then this is like yeah come on or well, the performances in particular but they got four points in nine games so <laughs> mid of the table team happy days this is this is very true this is very true but yeah I mean 
so from a Spurs side then what what I mean given that we saw such clinical finishing in the second half against Southampton to this week not so clinical I mean do you think there's something to to think about for them or to worry about necessarily or are you thinking no nah, they will come good and um, the, only, the only worrying thing for them is I think Mourinho alluded to it in his um, post-match interview mm. I think Son came up for half time I think this is an injury a knock or whatever and he That's was saying fantasy football says anyway it, 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 he was saying he's just the first of many and I think he was alluding to the fact that they've got so many games coming up that mm. it's going to happen yeah. players are going to break down and I think they obviously had a um, Europa League game as well midweek they got a buy in the um, League Cup because, yeah, because there's no time to replay that yeah. fixture like that's the amount of games Spurs are dealing with at the moment and I think it was just probably slight fatigue as to why they weren't as sharp obviously they got the goal through Kane Kane did brilliantly I think um, even from the goal I was hoping he'd go on the outside and cross the ball because I was thinking don't try to shoot here don't try to shoot here because I know that's what a striker would always want to do but mm. he's evolving his game and just went on the outside went across goal obviously it went to fell to Mora but um, yeah Again, they, they, they were a bit unlucky hit Woodwork twice, but I don't think there's too much to worry about. Mm. I think once the fixtures calm down and it gets to the group stage Europa League, I think they, they, they either have to go all out for the Europa League or sacrifice some of the cups. Because mm. obviously Spurs won a trophy. That like no matter what they want to yeah. do through the season, then they probably would take fourth place and nothing else if that's what you give them. But the race for fourth is going to be tough this year. Yeah. So they need to concentrate on either getting the Europa League or a trophy. So if they progress in the League Cup, then it's like, okay, let's put full force in that. If they progress in Europa, let's put full force into that. But they can't burn the candle at both ends. No. Like they, don't, they, they, they have a squad, but not a squad good enough to compete on all, yeah. in all fronts. And yeah. they need to get their balance right. Um, hopefully Bell comes back for them soon. Mm. Um Regulon, um, hopefully he can provide more attacking impetus. Because Ben Davis is okay, but um, I think Regulon was brought in to provide another outlet, yeah. similar to what we see with um, the fullbacks at um, City, fullbacks at um, Liverpool, where they're providing attacking yeah. impetus. They 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 want that from their fullbacks. Yeah. That's why they brought in Doherty on the right hand side and Regulon on the left hand side. So yeah. I'm not too too worried about them. And I sorry to cut you off. I was just going to say I think historically as well, I suppose they that is actually a position that arguably they were very blessed at. I think if you go back to when they had Kyle Walker, Kieran Trippier on the right, and uh, Danny Rosen when he was in favour and and playing well, and Ben Davis. Ben Davis obviously has been the only one that's still there right now. Um, so yeah, I think that that they bringing in Reggie on from what I've heard on him would allow them to to push on and go back to those days where they were. Providing their attacking whip from their fullbacks. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, that's true. Um, for my two pence, I think, I think they will focus on the Europa League. You know, I think in um, all or nothing, they kept it no secret, or it was no secret, should I say, that Champions League is where they want to be, and I think they see themselves being able to progress in the Europa League, especially Mourinho being the type of character that he is, and having won the Europa League in the past with us. Obviously, I think he he will he will be thinking he's in a similar position. Do you get what I mean? And say, okay, like, this is, and as you said, the fight for top four is going to be, it's going to be very tough, very tough. And so I think they will see that the Europa League would be their route to the, to the Champions League and yeah. also provide silverware for the fans, as you said. Yeah, definitely. So on to, 
I guess at the time, probably the most surprising result of the day. <laughs> but what I'd like to call effectively a Rogers masterclass <laughs> because Man City or Leicester rather, Leicester ran out 5-2 winners against Man City, a result no one would have predicted at the start of the game. I think we both predicted Man City to win comfortably and start of the game, it looked like it would go that way. I think they were very, I don't want to say lucky because it was an excellent goal by Mares, but it almost came from nothing. Mm. But as soon as they got that first goal, they would dominate and play. You thought, okay, Leicester have got it completely wrong. They're sitting back way too deep. They need to be a bit more, a, a bit more, I don't want to say open, but they need to be a bit more um, attacking and ha- show a bit more impetus. They can't just sit back because City will just break them down. But looking back now, I don't think City were set up to beat Leicester, which is why I call it a Rogers masterclass. Obviously, he he wouldn't have known how Pep was going to set up. <laughs> I but, don't think Pep knows how he's ever going to set up. But playing Sterling up top against uh, back three, yes, he's going to move around a lot, but he's not a big lad. He's not he's not going to be able to occupy the front three. And the movement from Mares, Foden. Bruyne, it wasn't really causing them problems. Like City never really, never really broke them down. They never really um, dragged them side to side. They did Leicester, even though they were pinned back, it wasn't like City were just constantly creating chance after chance after chance that you, mm. we know they can do. So in the end, Leicester just weathered the slight storm of City dominating possession, and then once they started to play a bit five or ten yards further up, they were getting chances on the break mm. and. They were finding pockets of space in behind. Harvey Barnes was finding space. James Justin was finding a bit of space. And obviously Vardy was finding a bit of space. And eventually they got their breakthrough where Vardy was slipped in, got ahead of his man and Carl Walker. And Carl Walker just dragged him back. Mm. First penny of the day. As you know, <laughs> Leicester earned quite a few penalties. Well, in season. the game. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the game and this season. But um, Vardy started it away. And I think they went into the, the break at 1-1. And second half, it was just much of the same. Like City didn't really look good. I'll be honest with you. Like they they didn't show enough. And yes, it's clear as day they're going to miss Aguero without him being in there. Maybe Gabi Jesus being in there would have provided a bit more of an attacking impetus. But I think what's wrong for me is that there, there, there tends to be occasions where Pep just... Pep puts good players into position and it just expects it to work where when it does work, he, he's labeled a genius, but when it doesn't, <laughs> you're just looking at it like, well, why, why did you do yeah, that? Like, make this make sense, please. It, 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 it just, I, I don't know. And I think um, they brought off Fernandinho for, was it Liam, Rory, Liam Delap, Rory Delap? Boy. <laughs> I, I don't even know. Like some, some, Their bench was, boy. <laughs> some youngster we, 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 we never even heard of, but, um, after that, like Rodri playing in a single pivot by himself, just got pretty much ripped to shreds because <laughs> it is after the after um, Fernandinho came off that um, City or Leicester City rather in this case got their goals and mm. the first the second goal of Vardy was just insane. <laughs> like, 
ball got played out to him uh, or played out to Castagni, played it across goal and just an audacious flick like Cheeky. And the fact that he flicked it and it just looped over Edison as well. It's just an absolutely <laughs> excellent goal. I do love them finishes there, man. And to think I was thinking, would he still have the hunger to score as many goals as he does? I told you. To be honest. Yeah, Although four of his five goals have been penalties, but... <laughs> but still, it, 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 it's the hunger to win the yeah, penalties as well. Like agreed. Getting in behind, he obviously won the third penalty or the second penalty finished it to get his hat trick and score the third goal mm. but the goal of the day for me after that James Madison just oh, yeah. it was <laughs> oh, in, absolutely insane Cause, and, and what's funny as well is that I was saying um, earlier in the season that they need a bit more firepower because they need a bit more than just James Madison and Vardy to really do something mm. but Madison started on the bench in all these games and they've now won three out of three and they're sitting pretty at the top yeah. and it was just showing okay yeah this is the kind of quality they have on the bench at the moment so they're looking good so yeah it, I mean Nathan Ake got his debut goal or not debut but his first goal for City in, in response but all in all yeah by then obviously <laughs> game was gone it was, yeah. it was a bad, bad day in the office for City which didn't look like it'd be the case because mm. they got the they got the first goal after four minutes and usually from there City just go on to continue to run rampant. Yeah. When, when you get when City score an early goal against you, panic, <laughs> worry. But it ended up going the other way and yeah. City or well, Pep Guardiola conceded five goals for the first time in what was something dumb like six hundred odd games. It was like six hundred and eighty six games. I that think it was absolutely crazy. But. <laughs> Hey, yeah, uh, Leicester run out five two winners. Yeah, I think uh, a running joke that we have in a in a group chat is obviously about last season. How this one's for the listeners, by the way, about how United obviously conceded fourteen penalties last season, which was a uh, or in the Premier League anyway, which is a Premier League high. What, what one one or conceded? Conceded? No, sorry, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah one. Yeah. Um, fourteen penalties in the Premier League, and I think like nineteen or twenty in all competitions or something. But it was a Premier League high of fourteen anyway. Leicester City in three games have won five penalties already, which uh, is absolute madness. So we'll see where they end up by the end of the season. But hey, I mean, yeah, no, I think Leicester, as you said, a result that nobody really expected. But boy, these are the you, you, these are the ones you got to win, innit? Yeah, and um, obviously the City have Laporte coming back as well, obviously from his extended coronavirus um isolation mm. and they're rumoured to be or apparently it's done and it's going to be over the line probably confirming next week but Ruben Diaz from Benfica mm. is expected to be signing for them as well so that's more defensive cover but yeah I mean the 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 thing I was sort of hoping for from a Liverpool point of view was for a slow City start where they drop points early on so that we can build up a big lead because I think what was it, 17-18? Sorry, 18-19. City were near enough perfect to have to chase us down and pip us to the title. They can't always be perfect to, <laughs> to, to chase us down. And we saw that last year, but after a while, they just faded. And again, this year, if they have to chase, with so many games coming thick and fast, it's going to be hard to keep yeah. up. So. Yeah. It'll be, in, yeah, I mean, boy, City let me down, man. Well, I say let me down, but from a, neutral from a top bins neutral perspective 
obviously where I had City to win the league. It's not looking like they're going to be doing that right now. But hey. So moving on to the last game of today, which was the West Ham Wolves game. So I think I alluded to it just now where I would have had City down as the most surprising result of the day, but the West Ham game blew me away, to be honest. <laughs> it blew me away. I'm, I, I mean, yeah. <laughs> what can you say? West Ham ran up 4-0 winners against Wolves. And it's... it's a weird one because I don't even think West Ham or I don't think Wolves played particularly well but I don't think they played badly enough to be on the wrong end of a 4-0 loss not to be at the wrong end of a 4-0 loss no you're right I think West Ham was just very well organised and just did what they do best and Antonio Antonio was just on stuff every time they found him he just does what he does well held the ball up muscled his man and was just a nuisance up top. Do you get what I mean? I don't know how he didn't score. As in, if you're four nil win, and you're obviously your team's main striker, you're going to be a bit worried. But well, not worried, but you know what I mean. You, you'll leave the game upset probably. I know I would anyway. Um, but he still had a fantastic performance, and I'd argue man in the match performance. Obviously, Bowen got the first goal. Fifteen minutes in, I think up until this point, I think West Ham had the game relatively under control. I think. To five minutes after 10 minutes 10 to 15 minutes or so um, Wolves were coming back into the game and they were looking dangerous down the right with Traore and Semedo I mm-hmm. think who was obviously making his debut um, after signing for Barcelona as we mentioned earlier um, I think in the first half in particular Traore had Masawaku on toast I think he he couldn't control him at all and not many can well this is true this is true Um and, and he was putting in some great balls in as well, which is something obviously we alluded to that he's added to his game. He's now got, he's a PS7 end product in terms of getting crosses in. Um, could probably score more goals, but that's neither here nor there right now. And when you have Raul Jimenez on your team, arguably you don't necessarily need to, but obviously it's a team contribution, right? So yeah, you want your right winger getting the goals. Anyway, put a couple balls, good balls in, but unfortunately Wolves just, it was a combination of Wolves not getting there. And, and as I said, um, West Ham being very organised. Um, anyway, Bowen obviously opens the scoring. Um, ball broke to him on on the right and he's travelling in obviously on his left foot. I think Wolves were just paying him a bit too much respect. All three of their centre-backs were just dropping off, dropping off, dropping off, yeah. dropping off until the edge of the box and then he just opened fire. Do you get what I mean? Which... I think we've already seen in a couple of instances this season where that teams will punish you for doing that. We saw it with Dean Garner against um, Everton. Uh, was it Everton? We broke, we picked up the ball, carried it, dropping off, dropping off, dropping off, and he just opened fire. Um, so I think that is something that Wolves would obviously probably want to look at um, because that actually, this exact same thing led to a chance for Antonio not too long later, um, except with him, his strike wasn't as clean. Um, uh, Rui Patricio sorry I almost forgot his name Rui Patricio managed to get down and save that one do you get what I mean um, but West Ham looked the better team and as I said through Antonio who was their who was their bright spark and I think he created a couple other chances as well um, looped, a, looped a ball in Suchek got his head to it um, but I think it was blocked off the line and then and then cleared um, and there's another chance that um, Antonio showed his strength backing off into the defender 
turns him, takes him to the box, takes his shot, but Rui Patricio saves it again. And then I think it was four now. Yeah, four now yeah. comes in and, and just smashes it completely over the bar. But um, West Ham looked good, winning one nil, one nil up at half time, and then yeah, came out second half. The interesting thing about the second half, I think, again, in my opinion, was just mainly just West Ham. To be honest, it, it, they, like I said, were just doing what they do best getting it out to their main man. He was doing his job, holding it up, bringing the uh, midfield back in, up into play. And they just ran away with it. 2-0, 3-0, 4-0. Um, obviously getting the uh, second goal. Again, Antonio showing his class down the left this time. Cuts it back to Fornals who hits it, but Rui Patricio saves it. But, um, sorry, he struck the post, didn't he? he yeah. yeah, sorry, he struck the post. Um, Fornals hits the post, it comes back out, Bowen just taps it home for 2-0. Suchet gets a header in from a corner, 3-0. And then Halle opens his account this season. So I think in a, in a game like today where you can win 4-0, your main striker doesn't score, your kind of backup striker comes off the bench and finally gets a goal and, and whatnot. And Bowen looks good. I think all around West Ham have something to be to be happy about there and, and definitely looks better today than they have done in the opening fixtures. Do you know what the difference is? What? Davis Moyes was in the dugout. <laughs> Get rid of Moyes and Prosper. <laughs> Honestly. Boy. Just, just, yeah, what can I say? I mean, because obviously to a certain extent he would have had a hand in the team selection, yeah. what they're working on. But at the same time, can't, don't know who was in the dugout for them um, yeah, I don't for, know for the game. Yeah. Obviously he's number two, but he would have had a lot of... Stuart Pierce was there somewhere. But yeah, he was, he was, yeah. In, the, he was in the box. Um, but yeah obviously his number two would have had a lot of direction and it just worked and it it worked against a good Wolves team so mm. you know but at the same time he did keep them up last year so obviously <laughs> that they, you know you've got to thank him for that but like I said I don't think he's the man to really take them forward and if they really want to push on and kick on they need to get a new guy in I mean I know they've tried many other guys before <laughs> But um, you just need to keep trying until it, it, it works. Well, this is the thing. It, it, it's, it's just the way it's it goes. Results business, isn't it? But I think, um, as I alluded to, I think Wolves, obviously, despite the result and ultimately a good organised West Ham team, Wolves, like I said, looked bright. It's particularly down that right-hand side and it's particularly in the first half. So if they can get Semedo and Traore to work well together, because I can only imagine a, a, a scenario where you've got Semedo kind of overlapping Traore and, and left-backs just absolutely shitting themselves, having no idea what to do and how to handle those two. Because Semedo looked good um, on the ball. Didn't see much of his defensive work, I don't think, today, because I don't think West Ham broke down the left too much. But no. on the ball, um, he, he did look good. Did look good, beat a few men. And look like he can offer something going forward. So, yeah. So, on to the Monday Night Football preview. Um, first game, we've got Fulham versus Villa. How do you see the game going? Two teams that generally will probably struggle this season. Um, I'm going to go in line with the golfers that we've been rewarded with. I'm going to go 2 2. Yeah, I think I feel confident about Villa, to be honest, after seeing their first game. Um, I kind of like what I saw of Oli Watkins and obviously Fulham at his level. So I think we'll see a debut goal from him and I'm going to go 2-1 Villa. Mm. 
And the second game, the big one, <laughs> Liverpool versus Arsenal. What you three 0 Liverpool three 0 Arsenal. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm gonna go. I think I'm gonna. Go, I'm gonna <sighs> kills me. I'm gonna go three two Liverpool. I think um, some talk or rumors. Not sure how true they are that. Alisson might be out for the game and potentially Thiago as well. I don't know if they picked up Knox in training. Really? But um, I still think that we'll win 2-1. I think we've got something to prove against Arteta's Arsenal because we lost the league, obviously, and lost the community shield. So I think Klopp will pull it out of the bag um, for this game. So I'm going to go 2-1 Liverpool. Mm. So on to the predictions league. So this week, you actually won the week, Darren. Congratulations. Did I? <laughs> you, got, you got four results, right? Nice. Obviously giving you four points. Yeah. And I only got my correct score right. So none of the other results, but the correct score of Burnley Southampton has one nil to Southampton. So I got three points for that. So still in the lead yeah. in the overall table. Yeah. I think. No, you will be, yeah. One point isn't enough for me to catch up. But um, yeah, I mean correct score which is what the, the league is all about so you know maybe we should up the scores for correct scores to five oh, i did say i did say five at the start you said nah three no 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 three 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 is fine three is fine um oh, well done on that though thank you very much so looking ahead at next week's games mm-hmm. gonna shout them out we have chelsea versus crystal palace three nil chelsea i have that as two two Everton Brighton 2-1 Everton I had that done as 2-1 Everton as well then we got Leeds Man City <laughs> after today I thought hey. um, Leeds Man City I'm gonna go 3-1 th- City I've gone 3-2 to City and Newcastle Burnley <laughs> one no Burnley I've actually got one no Burnley as well <laughs> and Leicester versus West Ham both pulled out unpredictable results today <laughs> so let me imagine I say something like 5-5 five, five. <laughs> I'm not getting to but um, Leicester West Ham I'm going to go I'm going to go 2-0 Leicester, I think. I've gone 3-1 to Leicester. (laughs) Two more penalties for Leicester. (laughs) Probably. Both dispatched by Vardy. Indeed. Then we've got Southampton versus West Brom. Uh, 2-0 Southampton. I've gone 2-1 Southampton. And Arsenal versus Sheffield United. I'm just going to go 2-0 again. 2-0 2-0 Arsenal I've gone 3-1 <laughs> in that game <laughs> and then we've got Wolves versus Fulham uh, 3-0 I've gone 2-0 for Wolves <laughs> and United versus Spurs I saw this coming um, let me be realistic here I don't think we'll win. But I can't bet against us to lose. So I'm going to say... I'm going to say 1-1. One, one. 
That's exactly what I've got put down. 1-1 for United Spurs. Yeah. Then last game, Villa-Liverpool. Oh, is it on a Sunday? Yeah. No, uh, no Monday games this week. Wow. Um, Villa-Liverpool, I'm going to go... Um, you know, I feel like you will just run away with that one. I'm just going to say 4-0. Okay, I'm going to go with our... Tino. Fair. Tino for that one for me. So on to fantasy football. So I think my my team haven't done too brightly this week. And I mean <laughs> the less said about them the better. Obviously I, I was back in Tottenham to get a clean sheet against Newcastle and I thought Kane would get a couple of goals. So that let me down. Um, the, only, the only one that really saved me at the moment is Ings on nine points. Um, and I've still got Abamian, Grealish and Alisson to play. But I think I've been on the Tariq Lamptey train since the start of the season. He's been in my team since day one. So that's my tip for this week. Jump on the train, set it and forget it. He seems to be the source of all the good things coming down the right hand side for Brighton. Obviously he's got two assists via two penalties at the moment and attacking wise he looks good. Defensively he looks good. He might not always get you a clean sheet, but it's, he's just fun and exciting to watch. So it, I, I just I just say set it and forget it with Tariq Lamptey. How about your team, Darren? Or Spainy? Um, so I've got 31 points. I actually played my free hit this week, which... <laughs> Terrible which decision. I thought, you know what? For some reason, I thought, you know what? Let me let me try these players out, see how they do this weekend, and I'll I'll see where I go from there. You know what's going to happen? Obviously, because it's a free hit, I'm not going to make the actual changes, and they're all going to get sick points next week. But I brought in a couple of players. Obviously, Son after his four games, I thought coming into this weekend, um, I thought yeah, they'll they'll do it. They'll, he'll do another job. Came off after 45 minutes, thinking, all right, cool. Put in Helder Costa. I actually took your tip last week. Put in Helder Costa. He got me three points. Um, he'll, he'll come good. He'll come good. Hopefully, Kevin De Bruyne was my captain. Four points. So I mean, it wasn't it wasn't fantastic. So I didn't choose zero. Alderweireld. I don't think he played today, did he? No. Yeah. He, so. he, he's out of favor at the moment. They're going with Sanchez and Dyer. After all of that, between him and Vertonghen and all or nothing, and then they <laughs> take him out of favor. But um, I've still got uh, Alexander Arnold and Consa to play. I'm not quite. I can't even remember what I just said the result would be. I think I said, so yeah, by that nature, it's not going to be a clean sheet, but hopefully he assists. So we'll see, you know, obviously defending assists get a decent amount of points. Uh, but Vardy obviously got a hat-trick, so got me 17 points. Jimenez, nothing. So I don't know what I'm going to do, man. I think I mentioned earlier, I brought in Trossard in my draft. I think I'm going to put him in, in my actual team as well, just because he just looks great, to be honest. He, he, he looks like he can, obviously this week against us was we were terrible but I mean he, he, what you saw from him is what you get from him do you get what I mean he is th- a bright spark for them and he does create a lot of chances and I just realised we both go for Brighton boys in terms of our, our picks but I mean I, I did also mention Trussard last week so you, oh, obviously, did you? you obviously chose the wrong guy but yeah but I mean Trussard well, I mean, didn't do much <laughs> exactly. either but you know I'm seeing the vision I'm seeing the vision yeah there you go So on to the top bins goal of the week. For me, James Madison. <laughs> loved it. Went in, screaming. It, it, yeah, just loved it, to be honest. What's funny about that is your goal of the week. 
70 minutes before that was going to be was going to be a different goal oh yeah until it went in and I was like sorry mate you absolutely just rocked it for the uh, for the listeners Uncle Tass and I were watching the game together and when Maris hit his one in he had mentioned there and then that, that was going to be his goal of the week and then yeah the Madison said never count your chickens before <laughs> exactly. never count your chickens before they hatch yeah something like that, that. Something, like that yeah. something like that what was yours um, I'm going Callum Hamasada Doi. Um, I just like the the intricate little triangles, the play, follow the ball, well, follow the follow the ball, if you like, run, the run into the box, the layoff from Havertz, I think was his first assist. Could yeah. be wrong. Um, and then the finish was just brilliant. So yeah, I think just a nice little simple team. Good goal. Nice. So on to Spainy trivia. I've got something for you. So Lewis Dunk scored an own goal this uh, this weekend mm-hmm. against us. That was his fifth own goal since his debut in August 2017. Mm-hmm. So that's the highest amount of own goals in that time. Okay. Mm-hmm. But what I want to know from you mm-hmm is who has got the most own goals in Premier League history? Jamie Carragher. No. <laughs> Michael Dawson. No. Tony Hibbert. No. Interesting choice, but no. I give up. The answer as to who has got the most own goals in the Premier League history is none other than the X-Man City, Everton, Aston Villa and QPR player. Gareth Barrow. No. <laughs> Julian Lescott. No. Michael Richards. Joe Barton. No. I give up. <laughs> Richard Dunn. <laughs> you seem disappointed in yourself. No, I seem disappointed in the trivia. It's dead. Oh, it's not, though, is it? It's dead, man. Just because you, you don't know it don't mean it's dead. Yeah, it's dead when I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> what? What do you want me to say? That it's sick. Yeah. Yeah, bro, it's sick. The, uh, so, yeah, Richard Dunn holds the, the unwanted record of most um, own goals in the Premier League history with 10. Um, Jamie Carragher actually sits next on the list along with another Liverpool centre-back Martin Skirtle hey man. seven own goals each big skirts but you know what just to uh, uh, listen humility I, I've got that okay I've got humility so I'll be fair and I will mention the next line and Wes Brown and Rio Ferdinand come under that with six there are a couple other players in there as well but obviously I thought you know I've just mentioned to Liverpool I will mention to United because that's what can I say but hey, there you go. So on to listeners' questions. We only got one this week, and it was actually a, a quite a funny one, so I thought I'd read it out. It was from, obviously, a new football listener. Question, what is fantasy football? Interesting. How that, would you describe fantasy football? That one came in from uh, Zareen Jenaba on Instagram. <laughs> Fair. So I mean, I, I I thought about the answer, and 
I couldn't really put it into terms. So I said, you know what, let me actually Google what fantasy <laughs> football what it is. is. <laughs> because I know, I, I, I know what it is. I just cannot <laughs> describe it. So fantasy football is a game in which participants assemble an imaginary team of real life footballers and score points based on those players' actual statistic performances and their perceived contributions on the field of play. So there you go. That is fantasy football. So for this week's join the discussion, we, after the drama of the Man United game, we asked which Premier League fixtures had the most dramatic ending. So obviously this is still open now. So get your thoughts in either on the Twitter, the Instagram or on Reddit, um, either one of those platforms, get in touch. But we've had a couple of comments come through at the moment. We had a J Black 518 saying United game. Full-time whistle went and they got a penalty after. <laughs> he also went on to mention that City and Liverpool are the only good teams in the league. The Premier looks competitive because everyone else on the same level is crap. And that's especially seen when we play in the Europa and Champions League. Then we also had another one come through, which I Sounds will... like a disgruntled Arsenal fan, by the way. <laughs> who knows, who knows. <laughs> But this one didn't come through from a disgruntled Arsenal fan. This one actually came through from a Villa fan, which was Quicksote 0630. Says, gotta be Aguero, since it was for the title and looked genuinely unlikely. But quite a few of the others were awesome to watch. The United game yesterday was just dramatic in terms of discovering one or more ways that VAR can change the sport in a weird way. He then went on to say, next season, United will come back the following day to have an opponent's winning goal overturned <laughs> for, for a shirt pull after the VAR ref slept in the decision and took another look in the morning. <laughs> so, I mean, for me, that that is the comment of the day. But if you have a funnier one, be sure to get in touch on the Twitter or on the Instagram. <laughs> So, so while, while, while Spainy regains his composure, oh my housekeeping rules, as always, guys, you can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you listen to your podcast. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Top Bins Pod, and you can join the conversation by using the hashtag the Top Bins Pod. That's T-H-E-T-O-P-B-I-N-S-P-O-D on all, for, all, all forms of social media. <laughs> As always, I've been your guy, Uncle Tass, and I've been Spainy. <laughs> as you can see, he can't even keep it together. <laughs> that comment rocks me. Oh my gosh. But thank you for your time, as always, guys. We'll catch you next week through your airwaves again. <laughs> Peace. Peace. <laughs>